Now we're turning tonight in our Bibles to the book of Job, Job chapter 14. Find the place. You get to the book of Psalms and just move back and you'll come to Job. Job chapter 14, and we're going to read from verse 1. Let's hear the word of God. Reading, of course, from the authorized version. The words will come up on the screen for those who are watching online. Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. And dost thou open thine eyes upon such an one and bringest me into judgment with thee? Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one, seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee. Thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. Turn from him that he may rest, till he shall accomplish as an hireling his day. For there is hope of a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that the tender branch thereof will not cease. Though the root thereof wax old in the earth, and the stock thereof die in the ground, yet through the scent of water, and bring forth boughs like a plant. But man dieth and wasteth away. Yea, man giveth up the ghost. And where is he? As the waters feel from the sea, and the flood decayeth and dryeth up, so man lieth down and riseth not, till the heavens be no more. They shall not awake, nor be raised out of their sleep. Oh, that thou wouldest hide me in the grave, that thou wouldest keep me secret, until thy wrath be past, that thou would appoint me a set time, and remember me. If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. Thou shalt call, and I will answer thee. Thou wilt have a desire to do the work of thine hands, and now thou numberest my steps. Dost thou not watch over my sin? My transgression is sealed up in a bag, and thou sowest up mine iniquity. And surely the mountain falling cometh to naught, and the rock is removed out of his place. The waters wear the stones. Thou washest away the things which grow out of the dust of the earth, and thou destroyest the hope of man. Thou prevailest forever against him, and he passest. Thou changes his countenance and sendest him away. His sons come to honor, and he knoweth it not, and they are brought low, but he perceiveth it not of them. But his flesh upon him shall have pain, and his soul within him shall mourn. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own inerrant and infallible word. Now, my text this evening is taken from Job chapter 14 and the verse 14. It reads as follows, If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. And I've entitled the subject of tonight's message, 
waiting for the appointed time of change. Now, Job, I believe, was one of the most interesting and influential characters of the Old Testament scriptures. He was a man who feared the Lord, a man who hated sin and loved righteousness. He was a man, therefore, who loved the Lord and lived for him throughout his days. He was an Old Testament believer then in that sense. And the Lord had blessed him physically, blessed him materially, and blessed him spiritually. Job was a married man. He had a wife. He had ten children, seven sons, and three daughters. That was a good family. But we would love a free Presbyterian family like that again in the house of God. He was a very wealthy man. We would really say, if we think of this morning, he was one of the most successful farmers of his day. According to the Bible, he had 7,000 sheep. He had 3,000 camels. He had 500 yoke of oxen. Now, that may have been a thousand in number. He had 500 she-asses. Very important, the word she-asses, because that means that they could bear um, other little calves. He had many servants. In fact, when we read the scriptures, we read in Job chapter 1, this statement, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. So he was a very powerful, influential man to know. And Job, of course, used his wealth to help others. He didn't make an idol out of his money. He didn't make a god out of his finances. Uh, I, I want you to think of, of this man who uh, helped the widows, helped the orphans, helped the handicapped, helped the needy. He loved helping needy. As I said, he didn't make a, 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 an idol or a god out of his money. So I want you to think of a very godly home. There was fun and fellowship there. There was feasting there. And of course, it all centered on the fact that he had a confident faith in the Lord. He could talk about my Redeemer. Yet despite Job's godly lifestyle, despite his great spirit of generosity, Job faced a great storm of adversity. He was not immune from trials and troubles. He uh, faced great calamities in his life. Let me explain. One day the Sabaeans came and took away and stole his 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses. They murdered all his servants. Then another servant came and told him that fire had fallen from heaven and burnt up his 7,000 sheep and all his servants, but one escaped. That was the man talking to him. And then another came and told him a raiding party from the Chaldeans had came and stole his 3,000 camels and again murdered his servants with the edge of the sword and only one escaped. And then another came to him and told him the very sad story that his uh, seven sons and three daughters were in the house. Uh, they were feasting there. A great wind came and demolished the house and they were all dead. Now think of it. Not one funeral but ten funerals in one day. Can you get the picture? Poor Job. And if things were not bad enough, instead of having the love and support and comfort of a good godly wife, the wife sadly blames the Lord. And she says to Job, she urged him, curse God and die. Life for Job had become unbearable. 
His health then broke down. His body was covered with boils. They were sore. They were itchy. They, 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 they were running blood and full of pus. He couldn't lie down. He couldn't find rest. He, he couldn't sit up. And on top of all this, the book of Job unfolds. After the mourning period had passed, the funerals of his family, his three friends came. Then they were eventually joined by a younger man, a fourth friend. They wanted to talk to Job. And this is what they wanted to tell him. We have a message for you, Job, and it's this. You've sinned greatly against the Lord. You've sinned secretly against the Lord. And you're being punished. And that's why all this calamity has come upon you. Job, take our advice. You confess your sin. You repent and get right with the Lord. And during this dialogue with these false counselors, Job naturally, in interaction with them, turns his attention to the subject of death. He, he recognized that one day he was going to die. And he asked them a very important question. Look at verse 14 that we have chosen as our text. If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. See, Job was thinking of the time of his death, the time when the body would be put into the grave. He was thinking of the time when the soul would leave the body, the, the time he would be present with the Lord. He was thinking of the time whenever the resurrection would come. He was thinking of life in the great eternity. It's interesting that he used the word time here. Did you know the word time is used 700 times in the Bible? 14 of them's in the book of Job. Job 14 verse 13, it's mentioned for the fourth time. Fourth in the Bible is the number of completion. And the fifth time is our text, Job 14 and 14. Five in the Bible is the number of grace. And he's thinking about the grace of God in his life and thinking about the grace of God in, in light of his death. Job's thinking of change. He mentions it here. Will I wait till my change come? The word change is used 75 times in the Bible. And this is the fifth time in the book of Job. Now, once again, here's grace coming to the fore. On the basis of God's grace, he's waiting for the appointed time of change to come. He's thinking of his life. His allotted span. Many make plans for living. But Job not only made plans for living, he had made plans for dying. Maybe you're here and you're listening to me tonight and you just have plans for living out your life. There's things in your mind that you want to do. There's goals that you want to fulfill and achieve. There's places that you want to visit. There's things that you desire to do. But in the midst of all your planning for living, you've forgotten something very important. You must make plans for dying. Because all your plans and mine has to be subject to the will of God. And if you leave the Lord out, then you'll certainly have made no plans for dying. Far too many in our world make plans for living. But very few make plans for leaving life and going out into God's eternity. So here's an important question. Here's an important subject. Waiting for the appointed time of change. As Job waited, let's think of the description of his life. Notice what he says here, if you look very carefully at verse 14. All the days of my appointed time will I wait. 
Job's thinking of his life on earth. He measures his life not merely in years as we do, or in months, but he measures them in days. See, Job knows that his days are set, set by the decree of God. He mentions the word appointed here, doesn't he? All the days of my appointed time. If you look with me at verse 5, he says this, seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee, thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. See, Job recognizes that his days are set by the decree of God. And there can be no lengthening of his days. There can be no shortening of these days. He realizes that he's not here forever. He realizes that he's not going to stay on earth forever. Tonight we're chalking up another milestone. This is the last Lord's Day of 2020. This is the last Sabbath evening gospel service. And in the will of God, tonight will pass. Monday will come. Until eventually the calendar says on Friday, the 1st of January, 2021. And what does the year end and the new year that commences remind us of? Does it not remind us of the passing of time? Does it not remind us that we're all on a journey? That we're passing through? That we're not here to stay forever? One day, like Job, we will be taken from all that we hold dear. And what I'm saying tonight is that day is set. That day is appointed. Remember what the Apostle Paul says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. How many times have we quoted these words? Hebrews 9 and 27, he says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Verse 28, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. See, your death and mine is an appointment that every one of us will not miss. For the Lord has set aside the day, the very hour, the very minute, the very second. It's not an accident. It's an appointment. If it's true that God is our creator, who gives us life, the God who holds the very breath that we breathe in his hand, then God is also our terminator. And that breath that we breathe that he holds in his hand, he can take it from us at any moment. Let me tell you a little story. I think of a doctor calling at a home. There's a young woman in the home. She's a mother of one young boy. We'll call him John. He's seven or eight. This woman has just been diagnosed by this doctor as having terminal cancer. The boy was sent out into the garden to play and the doctor examined the woman and she said to him, how long have I got, Doc? And he said, well, dear, I'm really sorry, but you only have a few months. You need to make preparation. I recommend you write a will. I recommend you contact your sister. And if you have nobody to look after your boy, maybe your sister will take the boy under her wing and raise him up for you. And she said, Doctor, would you explain to my little boy 
that I've got terminal cancer. Very hard thing for a doctor to do. How do you explain that to a seven or eight year old? So the doctor went out into the back garden. The little boy was playing and he got down on his knees and he explained to the little boy this way. John's son, mommy's going on a very long journey. But she's not going to be coming back. So the wee boy asked, well, when's he going on this journey, sir? And he thought, well, how, how could I tell him? And he said to the little boy, you see that tree in your garden? Yes. Well, when every leaf has fallen from that tree, mommy will go on that long journey and won't be back. A couple of weeks later, he, he's back in the home. He's got some additional medicine for the lady. He wanted to really see how she was. He, he, he was burdened for her as a doctor would be. He was asking for John. And she said, oh, John's in the garden outside. Of, I'm not sure what he's doing. So he went outside to look for John, couldn't see him. And then he eventually looked up in the tree and there's John up the tree. So he thought for a minute, up the tree. John, what would you be doing up the tree? And this is what he said to the doctor. Doctor, I'm tying on the leaves so they won't fall. And of course the doctor knew that that boy, despite his attempt, could not keep the leaves in the tree. Because as sure as the leaves would fall, every leaf that would falling would indicate the death of a precious soul going out into eternity. Do you know that statistics, that there's three deaths for every second? There's 180 deaths per minute. There's 11,000 every hour, 260,000 every day, 95 million a year. And the time will come, regardless of who you are, where you are, what you're doing, what you have in life. You could be the richest person alive. You could be doing the most important job. But one day, You'll be taken from it all. And it'll not matter how many pills you pop or how many times you go to the gym. One day you'll die. One day you'll breathe your last. Because here's an appointment that you will not escape or be able to evade from. The days are set. Do you know there's a minister one time preaching on the subject of death? And this is what he said, and I quote, Every member of this church is going to die and going to face the judgment. He looked down at the congregation. There was one man there smiling, almost ready to burst out laughing. And he thought, well, that man's not really taking this seriously. There's nothing really to smile about what I've just said. So he, he said it again rather more forcefully. Every member of this church is going to die and face the judgment. He looked down at the man again. The man was smiling even greater now. He thought, that man's thick, or else he's deaf. He can't hear me. So he repeated it for the third time. Every member of this church is going to die and face the judgment. Of course, the man was still sitting smiling. Well, the minister thought, I better say nothing from this pulpit. I just bite my tongue here. So he waited until he was going out, and he spoke to the man at the door, and he said, sir, do you mind if I just asked you something? I, I made that very solemn statement. Every member of this church is going to die and face the judgment. And you smiled. You were ready for laughing. In fact, you were ready for letting a big hearty roar out of you. Could you tell me why you were smiling at that? And he looked into the face of the wee minister and this is what he said. 
but I'm not one of your members. He thought it excluded non-members. The days are set. Can I tell you something else very quickly? The days are short. Look at chapter 14, verse 1. Man that is born of woman is a few days. The word few means short. Think of the hymn, life at best is very brief, like the falling of a leaf, like the binding of a sheaf. What's life like? It's like a flower that's born and blooms and is beautiful to look upon and then all of a sudden it's cut down and it's gone. Job's thinking of life like that. It springs up. There's a great show in the flesh. You live a life of sin and yet that life over time begins to weather and soon it is gone. The lifespan is short. Isn't this what the, the psalmist was taken up with whenever he said in Psalm 90 and verse 12 in the prayer of Moses? It's a tremendous prayer. If we think of the words, Psalm 90 and verse 12, this is what he prayed. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Do you know that in 1901, the average lifespan of people in the United Kingdom was 45 in 2001, the average lifespan was 80 and a half. In 2020, statistics tell us that it's now 84.5. And yet, what did Moses say? Teach us to number our days. He talked about the days of our years. Why? Because there's no guarantee of tomorrow. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for no man knoweth what a day may bring forth. See, sometimes we think, well, it's our neighbor's going to die. It's my friend that will die. It's my work colleague that will die. It'll be a member of my family, but not me. The old will die, and the young may die. Babies, young children. I believe one of my most hardest funerals was burying a young lad who died of cancer many years ago in Market Hill. Days are set. Days are short. Can I tell you something else? Days are sorrowful. Listen to what Job said. Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. You think of the trouble in Job's life. The loss of all that he had materially. You, you think of the trouble that he had in his life maternally. With his wife. Curse God and die. Could you think of the arguments that would result of that? See, life for Job was full of trials and tears. There was highs and lows. There were days of joy, but there were days of sorrow. It was like what Solomon said and what Solomon discovered. Solomon discovered the emptiness of life. He knew that all that he had was, was vain. And, and yet he could say this in the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 2 and verse 11. He made this statement. Then I looked in all the works that my hands had wrought. And on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit. And there was no profit under the sun. A man laboring hard. A man laughing and enjoying life. And yet all the while, he's experiencing the misery and sorrows of this life. In the pursuits of men, the pleasures of men, the profits of men, the plans of men. What is it all without God? It's all vanity. It's all empty. That tonight is a description of Job's life. His days are set, his days are short, and his days are sorrowful. Does it describe your life? Are you contemplating that tonight? Think very quickly of the departure of Job's life. 
Notice what he says in verse 14 again. If a man die, he's thinking of death. He's thinking of his death. He's thinking of the time when he will pass from this scene to the next, when he will go out of time into God's great eternity. You see, his focus is on death. He's thinking of his death as a passing. Job 14 and 20, listen to what he says. Thou prevailest forever against him, and he passeth. In other words, he dies. We, we, we use the expression, so-and-so has passed away. What do we mean? Passed where? It means they have died. Death is a passage. It's, it's the pathway. Spurgeon said it was but the vestibule to glory. It's like the doorstep into God's eternity. That's not the end of the journey. It's another step in the journey. It's out of time into eternity. That's why Moses prayed, oh, that men were wise. Oh, that they understood this, that they would consider what? Their latter end. Remember what the Apostle Paul says in um, Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy 4 and verse 6. He says, for I'm now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. He was thinking of a ship leaving a port. He was thinking of, a, of, of his life as a ship going out of the port of time. And where's he heading to? He's heading for the harbor of hope and assurance of eternity. He was going to be with Christ. And remember what I've told you from Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 to 24, that I'll not read. It'll come up on the screen there. That a summary of the Christian life is this. For those who live in Christ, who live for Christ, through Christ, Go to be with Christ, which is far better. Job was focusing on death. But not only think of the focus of death, but think of the fact of death. If a man die, he asked the question, shall he live again? See, Job knows that death is not the end. He knows there's no such thing as soul sleep. He knows that there's no such thing as annihilation. He knows that there's no temporary abode of the dead, uh, no um, uh, purgatory. He, he knows that the dead can't come back again physically the second time. He's thinking of those that are still alive in heaven and those that are alive in hell. One of two places. He's already asked the question, if you think of Job 14 and verse 10, but man dieth and wasteth away, yea, man giveth up the ghost, and where is he? Here he is thinking of this very important question. If a man dies, shall he live again? And you know, the answer is an Irish one. Because the answer is twofold. Yes, he'll live again. And no, he'll not live again. Let me explain. He'll never live his physical life over again. The dead won't come back to life again by themselves. Death, remember, is the soul leaving the body. That's, that's what death is. It's the giving up of the ghost. It, it, it's mentioned 19 times. The body is put into the grave. The body wastes away in the earth, awaiting the death resurrection. But the soul, the real you, leaves the body. That's why the Lord Jesus said, What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Uh, and what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Because the soul is the real you. Your body's the house of that soul. It's like, it's like having treasure in an earthen vessel. 
And of course, the soul will be reunited with the body of believers at the first resurrection at the coming of Christ. And even the souls of the unsaved dead, the unbelievers, their soul will also be reunited with their body in the second resurrection. That's the great white throne judgment. And they will give an account to God. The departure of Job's life. He's focusing on death if a man die. Here's the fact of death. It's not the end. Shall a man live again? And the answer is yes. Think of the delight of Job's life. Notice what he says in the text. What does he tell us there? All the days of my life, all the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. What's he waiting for? He's waiting for the change to come. You see, he's, he's thinking of changing his location. He's thinking of changing his address, earth for heaven. He's thinking of his body getting into the grave and his soul entering into the presence of the Lord. He's not only waiting for a change of location, but he's waiting for a change of life. He knows that one day that his body's going to go into the ground, and yet he knows that that body's going to live again. Didn't we say this this morning? Job chapter 19, listen to these words, verse 25, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold him, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. See, Job believed in the bodily resurrection of the dead. He believed that the Lord Jesus' resurrection would guarantee his resurrection. Isn't this exactly what Paul taught? In Thessalonians, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, here's a comforting truth, folks. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and listen to the words in verse 14. The apostle Paul was writing to encourage God's people who were concerned about those who had died in Christ. He said, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also would sleep in Jesus. Will God bring with him? For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. See, Job was thinking of that day when he'd have a resurrection body. When his soul would be reunited with his body. And in that glorious body like to Christ, he'll never be tempted again. He'll never be tried with all the trials of life. He'll have no more heartaches, no more tears, no more sorrows. And he's living in light of the day when his vile body will be changed into the glorious body of Christ. And he'll never be sick again. And he'll have no more problem with these boils. He knew that in that day his body would put on immortality. His body would be clothed with incorruption, never to be corrupted again. D.L. Moody said, one day when you hear I'm dead, don't believe it, for I'll be alive forevermore. See, that's the hope that Job had. Here's the delight in Job's life. Job knew the answer to the question. He was asking his friends, if a man die, what? Shall he live again? And Job believed that he would. Because Job believed in the resurrection. I'm for a change of location. I'm for a change in life. And let me finish tonight 
What about you? What hope do you have? Are you a child of God? Are you ready for heaven at home? Are you saved tonight? Are you washed in the blood? Think not only of the description of Job's life and the departure of Job's life and the delight of Job's life, but think about the duration of Job's life. Think of this word, live. If a man die, shall he live? Think of the word live. How long have I to live? I don't know. My days are set, the days are short, the days are sorrowful. But the life that I live, I live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How long have you to live? I don't know. But I can tell you this as we finish. Think of this word live. Your physical life is dependent on the Lord. And him you move and live in a being. He's the God who gives you breath to breathe. So often we don't think of that. You get up in the morning. You go to bed at night. You think of all the times that you breathe during the day. And every breath is a gift from God. It comes from the hand of a loving, benevolent, heavenly father. And I can tell you more that Job lived spiritually alive in Christ through faith in him. He talked about my redeemer. And, and Job could therefore rejoice that he had eternal life. And he knew that in the day of his death, it would be instant glory. So when he used the word live, he was thinking about his physical, temporal existence on the earth. The spiritual life that he had through faith in Christ. And the eternal life that he had now that was promised in all its fullness in the world to come. He that believeth hath everlasting life. How long have I to live? He didn't know. But he was ready for living. But he was ready for dying. Do you know death will come swiftly when you and I least expect it? Every casket, every hearse, every headstone, every grave, every death column in the newspaper bears testimony to that. Death will carry us away from all that we love and hold dear. Death will remove us from all our well-laid plans. You can be sure of this. Death and taxes. All men, some will die on holiday. Some will die on their birthday. Some will die on a wedding anniversary. Some will die in bed. Some will die in a hospital. Some will die on the roadside. Are we ready for death? Are we prepared for eternity? Remember Samuel says this, 2 Samuel 14 and 14, For we must needs die. And are as water spilt in the ground, which cannot be gathered up again, neither does God respect any persons. Yet he does devise means that his banished be not exiled from him. It was the psalmist who said this in Psalm 39 as we come to a close. Psalm 39 is a tremendous psalm. He said this in verse 4. Listen to these words. Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is, that I may know how frail I am. Are you ready and prepared for life? Are you ready and prepared for death? Are you ready and prepared for God's great eternity? As we close the year, move out into 2021, you should ask yourself that. Am I ready for life, for death, for God's eternity? Job's thinking 
of the duration of his life. Will you think of yours tonight? Do you know the Lord? Have you trusted him? Have you confessed your sin? Have you asked him to save you? Do you belong to him this evening? Because nothing else matters. May the Lord give you grace to understand his word.